What's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Jessica Glazer DeRose. She is a seven-figure business mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. We're going to bring her into the show. Welcome to the show. John, thanks so much for having me here today. Absolute pleasure. So I'd like to start off the show with a simple, simple question, which is who you are, who are you, what do you do, and how did you get there? Yeah, who am I? Oh, it's such a loaded question. I mean, so I'm a business consultant and mentor, like you said. I help personal brands. I help entrepreneurs, uh, side hustlers. I really help anyone take what they know, extract it from their brain, their lived experience, and turn it into impact through using organic social media so they can make a ton of income while making impact along the way. I specialize in course creation, curriculum writing, and launching. And how did I get here? Honestly, I've been in the digital space for 10 years. I started in 2012 back when I was blogging and hosting different fitness platforms online. I was fitness coaching people all alongside while I was an elementary school teacher. And it was sort of my quote unquote cute side hustle for many, many years. In 2017, I left my teaching job after eight years to go all in on my side hustle and was able to scale that business pretty quickly. And so organically, I started helping friends build their businesses. I was helping them for free and then made the pivot in 2018 to start charging for it and have since scaled our team, built a school in Ghana, Africa, have helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients um, and even helped 12 of them go from zero to million dollars, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. Now, yeah. here, something caught my attention there. Did you say you left your teaching job in 2017? I did, yeah. But you didn't start charging to 2018. Well, I didn't start charging for business coaching until 2018. So I was doing all health and fitness coaching online previously. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of, uh, so what happened to that? Well, I fizzled it out. I slowly started, I was a personal trainer for 18 years. And so slowly I started sort of offloading some of my clients and then less and less and less. And my last client, both in person and online was actually in 2020. So I was doing oh, well. both for, for a while. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, like the reason I brought that up is, well, aside from the fact that I, I caught on to the fact that you quit your teaching job at 2017, but you didn't charge for coaching in 2018, <laughs> I thought I'm missing something here, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, I also wanted to illustrate to everyone who's interested in getting into business and are going through the same situation as you and don't know where to start yeah. and are scared to take the plunge. They have op options there. You don't have to just jump off the boat and then hope you swim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you did a transition. You started yeah. off by dropping one thing, built up the next thing, then you dropped the second thing. Yeah. So it was not an overnight sensation. Like it's not not one of these things that you're going to just start up a web page, go on social media and say, hey, buy my product and then uh, book your trip to Maui because you made a billion dollars. <laughs> no, definitely not in my world. You know, I'm, I'm a very long overnight success. It was about 10 years and the story that people sometimes read or the bio could sound very, very sexy and tantalizing. I did make my first million in 18 months when I quit my job, but I had already been working for five or six years, like I said, as a, as a side hustle. So many, many years, lots of masterminds, lots of coaches, lots of courses. It definitely didn't happen overnight. Absolutely. And that's the thing. That's what people fail to realize. It takes yeah. 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It really does. <laughs> so I love the story there. I mean, thank you for sharing that. So with that being said, right, one thing I noticed that, and as you said, the whole entrepreneurship thing is a wave. It's not a straight up. It's not a overnight sensation. So there must have been a lot of fears and and 
you know, times that you question yourself and, you know, start thinking to yourself going, what did I do? Did I do the right thing? You know, and you start wondering and you're going through those fears and scared and then scared moments. Like, you know, you start thinking in scarcity, even though reality is there's abundance, but Mm -hmm. we have that same thing is we're all programmed the same way, you know, go to school, get a good education. So get a good job. You can get married, get your white picket fence, and then you can retire. And we're all fed that same thing over and over and over. And it doesn't matter what generation that was the same thing since basically my, our grandparents generation, which would have been, you know, the (laughs) twenties. So with that being said, we had to, to, in a way we could be looked at the crazy people go ahead and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. But my point I'm getting at where I'm going with this is we we have that moment, which I call that aha moment, which is where we get to a certain point and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're successful yet, but we get to a point where we're able to see our fears in perspective and say, okay, it's scary right now, mm-hmm. but this is it. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm in the right spot. I'm going the right direction and I'm going to get there. Yeah. And then you just, that, confidence kind of boosts up and you're like take charge and ready to go mm-hmm. have you had that what that aha moment and what what is what was it like when you discovered it yeah i've had a lot of those aha moments which i'm grateful for and i sort of have my like my antennas up to look for those moments and i call them breadcrumbs right so it's like the universe yes. is dropping little breadcrumbs for us to follow our, our path and so the biggest aha moment for me was in october of 2016 and i'll share a little story because it usually gives people on the other end an aha as well so I was driving to work as a, as a teacher and I was listening to a podcast and I had my coffee in hand and I was doing the same commute that I did every day to your point, living the quote unquote American dream of the white picket fence in a home that we couldn't afford. We were living paycheck to paycheck, but it was perfect. It was amazing, right? It was the, it was the life that everybody wants. My commute was seven minutes. I had a great job. And so I was driving to work, listening to a podcast and the man interviewing a woman was asking her about her dreams. And so her dream was to create a jewelry line and sell it for full time on Etsy. She was doing it part-time for fun. And what I didn't tell you is I've lived many different lives. And so I actually used to have an accessory line as well. I went to fashion school in New York City. Um, So lots of different lives. So I'm listening to this woman. She's a teacher just like me. And she sells jewelry on Etsy just like me. And she wanted to go all in on the jewelry thing. But she felt crazy because she had a pension and benefits and summers off and, you know, the golden handcuffs, if you will. So he said to her, if you gave yourself one year to go all in on the jewelry thing and it didn't work out, what would be your worst case scenario? So she said, well, I don't know. I've been a teacher for a decade. I'll probably just go back and get a teaching job. I might have to go to a different district, but I know that I can get a job. Now I'm eight years into teaching. So I'm, I'm like literally in the dashboard listening and his answer changed my entire life. He said, oh, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Like you're living in the thing that you would go do if the thing that you want to do didn't work out. So I pulled the car over on the highway. I was hysterical crying. This was October of 2016. I texted my husband, Mike, and I said, I can't do this anymore. It's not my worst case scenario. We have shelter, we have food, right? But it's not my best case scenario. And to know that if it didn't work out, I can go back and do the exact same thing that I'm doing right now. It was this massive aha. So that night I went home. We started to play with finances and we said, what would it look like if I quit my job? How long could we last off of his salary, which I'm super grateful for. I I did not do this alone. And we realized that if I could remove my ego and maybe do something that I thought that I was above or better than or beyond or too old for, because at the time I was 32, 
I had a real job. We had, you know, we had a mortgage. I had already gone to two different universities and grad school. So I had multiple degrees, but if I could remove my ego and do whatever I had to do to make ends meet, then could I actually go all in on my crazy, stupid idea that I had, right? My, my big dream that I had. And so we started to figure that out. And about six weeks later, I walked into my principal's office and I resigned. So for the person listening, I did burn the boats and that works for me. That might not work for you. I had no plan other than to do what it takes to make ends meet. And I did have a cushion of my husband and his salary for about three months that we could live off of before we would really need to make sure that I was kind of cranking it up a notch with clients. So I did sort of have backup plans, but the aha moment for me was, wow, I'm already in my worst case scenario. And I'm not saying that teachers aren't incredible and the, and the job that I had wasn't amazing and I didn't love my students. I absolutely did. It just, it wasn't my best case scenario. And so since that day in October of 2016, I've sort of used that mantra in my decisions and in my business moving forward a lot because it kind of is, it's just, it puts things in, into perspective. So that was my biggest aha because it was the reason that I quit my job, which was then the domino that knocked over all the other dominoes that you see where I am today. Wow. That is incredible. I mean, that's definitely a perspective that people don't usually consider. Yeah. So I love that. You know, what's your worst case scenario? Wait, I'm living the worst case scenario. Crap. Time to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stings a little bit. Stings a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's true. And and again, a lot of people don't consider that, right? Because most people come from panic mm -hmm. and make rash decisions based on panic. Yeah. I think we're all guilty of that at some point in our life. But at some point in time, you got to change your perspective and look at things. It starts with your mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I love that. And, and again, I love how you had backup plan. You know what I mean? Like that, that was great. I mean, you're right. And nobody builds anything alone. And like, even if you're not married and you're, and you're doing something, there's always somebody out there that's going to push you along, whether good or bad. And there's always somebody out there that is going to be that motivator Absolutely. and that trigger that's going to make you do something or not do something. Yeah. So it's recognizing that. Love it. Love that answer. Thank you. With that being said, I uh, read that you um, had some sort of uh, van life. Yeah. It, you know, everyone wants yeah. this digital nomad, yeah. right? And, and it's the biggest buzzword right now. Sure. But doing it through van life, who, what was that like? It was incredible. And it was really, really hard. So uh, let me clarify, we did not do van life because I think that paints a picture in people's minds. I am not rough and tough. Um, <laughs> we were not roughing it by any stretch of the imagination. So in 2020, my husband and I were living in Manhattan. We were there for many, many years in New York City in a high rise, beautiful, loved our life there. And when everything was going on that was going on, we decided to, to leave. We were, I was always working remote. He was working remote for his job at the time, which he had a corporate job, suit and tie guy. And so we decided well, why don't we Airbnb hop and just test out different places in the country and just kind of see what it feels like to live other places. And that sort of snowballed into, well, instead of Airbnb hopping, let's just get a 40 foot motor home. And that way we can drive around the country, live in our, in, in our motor home and explore the country in that way. Neither one of us grew up camping. Neither one of us grew up doing RV life. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, but basically we went into an RV dealership. We looked at some of these beautiful class A's, big 40 foot motorhomes, and kind of felt into, could we actually see ourselves doing this? Could we work in this space together? 
And the other part of the plan was that I was actually retiring my husband from his job. He was going to leave corporate to come into my business to help ex expand our company together as a family business. So we did. We we bought him a home. We put all of our stuff in storage. We left New York City and ended up spending 14 months living full time. We traveled through 27 different states. It was absolutely incredible and equally as challenging because he was also transitioning from you know, his old life and identity into my business and company. So now we're working together. We're in a couple hundred square feet in a super small space where we're in places in the country with absolutely no Wi-Fi running a digital business. Um, and it was just, it was the coolest thing. I mean, it was absolutely the most incredible thing that we've ever done. And we got to see so many cool parts of the country that I don't know that we would have seen and meet incredible people. And when people ask us, you know, what was our favorite thing? I have a lot of favorite places, but we always say that our favorite thing was the in-between. It was it was the moments in between. It was the the tiny little roads in between. It was the little towns in between where we're stopping at mom and pop restaurants and just meeting locals. And so you can fly from city to city and go to all the national parks and do all that type of stuff. But really, it was it was the in between and it was the stuff that was happening off camera that expanded us the most. Wow, that was yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Now, okay, so it's really not van life it's 40 foot <laughs> <laughs> i mean we had two bathrooms there were like we had a washer and dryer that's it was not we were not roughing it <laughs> <laughs> so but you brought up some, a good point there right yeah. like there's two challenges that could have happened mm -hmm. right well one of them did happen but you obviously had a way around which is the wi-fi thing yeah. right how do you get around no internet when you're in a digital business yeah there's a, a picture that is painted of, you know, parked on the side of the road with like a babbling waterfall and you're just out there <laughs> with your laptop. And it's just, that's just not the reality. If anyone listening has ever tried to work even on your phone at the beach, I mean, the sand, it's uncomfortable, it's hot. You can't see the screen. Like it's not the luxury story that we all create in our mind. What we actually did tactically was we had a Wi-Fi extender installed on the roof so that we could pull Wi-Fi from a two, rate, two mile radius. We had um, data from every single carrier. So we had a Sprint data box, we had a T-Mobile data box, we had an AT&T and we had a Verizon. So it was very expensive. I mean, we were spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on data every single month, but it was the only way that it would work. We tried our best to find RV parks and spots that we would park in that did have Wi-Fi. In 14 months, we only were in one park ever. And we moved almost every what, week or two weeks. We would move a couple times a week. I mean, we probably went to close to 100 different parks. One out of all of them had Wi-Fi. That was the only one, and it was in the middle of nowhere in Idaho, which was so funny. But we had to, we, we burned through data. We would go into towns, we would sit at coffee shops and get as much done that we could get done. And because my business is so heavy with video, where I'm creating a lot of video content in our courses and I'm hosting Zoom calls, once per month for the entire 14 months, we had actually rent an Airbnb. And we would spend a weekend in an Airbnb and we would do like mass upload, mass download um, and really important calls would happen, you know, at that time. So we worked now, you know, navigating sort of what would it look like if we had to batch some things out. We also shifted our schedule where it would be three marathon days a week of 12 hours of working. And then the rest of the time we would be out exploring. So during those times of work, you know, maybe posting up at a coffee shop, something like that. So we did we did have to get kind of creative with it but it was a pro it was a real challenge um and i know for some people it's kind of like an eye roll sounds like a first world problem if you don't have wi-fi but when you are running a business digitally 
it, it is a real problem, you know, connecting with our team, connecting with our clients. So we navigated it and figured ways out, but um, it was expensive and it was a constant stressor, you know, wondering <laughs> if, if calls would drop and stuff like that. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. So which brings up problem number two, which not really a problem, but yeah. a potential problem. Sure. You're working with your with your husband in the same business. Yeah. Now, look, there could be an income problem. Should something go wrong? Sure. It's not just your income that's a problem, then it'll be his too. Mm -hmm. But that one, obviously, you had that worked out, but you never know the future. That yeah. could have been a problem. Yeah. The second problem is working together and butting heads. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Not yeah. the butting heads, but working together. Did you butt heads and and did you guys have a process to deal with things when you didn't, you know, you disagree? Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, we're human, so I think there's always going to be there's always going to be challenges, even in a relationship where you're not working together. Communication might uh, become a challenge, or you might butt heads over something else. We don't have children, but I know a lot of times there's you know financial stressors. Children could be a stressor. How you parent your dog could be a stressor. So yeah, absolutely, it was a transition for for sure. We are both very um, committed to growth personally, and we're very committed to growth together. And that was something that we agreed upon over a decade ago when we you know, started dating. And so it was always an open conversation. We sort of have little things that we've implemented into our relationship, both as work partners and then as um, you know, spouses. So little things that we'll do that we've sort of learned over time physical triggers, it might sound very robotic, but especially in the RV, what we were noticing was I was very, very busy when my husband first came into the business because he didn't fully have his role figured out yet. And so there would be times where he would maybe just start talking to me while I was doing something on the computer. And that could be very triggering, or I would maybe then snap at him, not that that's okay. So we started doing things, again, sounding robotic, but he would maybe raise his hand and sort of like ask permission to interrupt for a second we started recognizing different patterns within each other. We started asking each other, and we still do this today, you know, is it okay if I talk about the business for a second? Are you open to brainstorming for a moment? Is it cool if I tell you something that happened? Because the lines do get very blurred and we love what we do and we love talking about business. And so between the business and the dog, those are usually our two topics of conversation. And it can get very exhausting for someone when you want to sort of check out. So we have a couple of different things that we do. We take walks every day in the morning. We take walks every day in the afternoon. Generally, our walk in the afternoon, we will often walk for 20 minutes in silence before we actually start speaking, not because we're mad at one another, but we're sort of just digesting the day. And that's where we really transition into, you know, from work partners to life partners. And again, it's asking permission and being okay, not pressing buttons. So we might be out to dinner and one of us will bring something up about work. And if the other person says, you know, I just, I don't want to talk about that right now. We honor that without pushing like, well, you know, what's the reason? Do you want to unpack that? <laughs> um, so we're just, we kind of honor that and we really work on communication. Well, I think the most difficult part for us, which we're very lucky, we're very much on the same page with a lot of the same goals, but the most difficult part has been for our team because they have two bosses. So, you know, our next in command uh, right under us, she really has two different bosses. And so that's been a transition over the last two years of, you know, who, who am I listening to? What's the hierarchy here? Who has the final stamp of approval on certain things and making sure that he and I are always communicating the same thing 
through the same tone uh, for the same reason. So yeah, it's it's been a learning experience. I'm very grateful to say, I don't think it's been extremely challenging for us, but it has been a learning experience, absolutely. Yeah, well, see something you mentioned there, right? You have a process. You basically have a system and a process that you created you know, in the beginning, yeah. after obviously you bumped at it a couple of times and then just said, hey, we got to figure this out. Yeah. So, and that's the natural thing, right? So you came up with a process rather than allowing it to constantly rip you apart, yeah. which is a key to any business. Even if you're not working with a partner, like any business, when you're scaling, especially, and you're growing a team, you need a process. You can't just show up to work and just say, hey, I'll turn on my computer and decide if I have something to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There's, yeah. There's, a, there's a process and a system that yeah. keeps things together. And I, and I find from experience, the businesses that have the most put together processes are mm -hmm. ones that are constantly evolving and upgrading are usually the ones that do well long term. Yeah. Right. Like you're yeah, not in a sprint, you're in a marathon. Absolutely. And that's one of our, our core values. And what we teach in business is the systems and structure inside of a business are actually what create the freedom and autonomy that people want. And we get very resistant to systems and structure because they feel, it feels opposing. It feels like I'm going to be constricted, but really, especially humans, we love routines. We love schedules. We love being told what to do. And so the confinement of the, of the structure is what creates the freedom. And so I started talking about our relationship working and, and romantic as I know it sounds robotic. It doesn't sound sexy, but it's actually, yeah, having those processes, having that structure in place is what allows us to kind of ping pong back and forth without exhausting ourselves. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself here with the question I want to ask. It's one of those things that I have a business reason to ask this, but it's a personal question and sort of like, I'm not sure if I should go there. Go for it. Um, so my question is, is there a future intent on having kids? Uh, we will see. We actually just went through an experience that resulted in not having them and we thought we were going to. So, uh, right now we're in a, in a healing process. And so we'll see, but Understood. I love kids. I'm a teacher. I, I, you know, I, I was a teacher. I, I love children and, um, we're getting older. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, and my, and, I'll, and I'll explain the reason I was asking that it wasn't really to get into the personal end of it. Was more of the fact that do you guys have if you guys had a plan or a system in place for if that were to happen, like what would you do and how would the breakdown be? Yeah. Like because a lot of times what ends up happening is when uh, people start up with you know businesses, they start up the new new, new startups for lack of better description, mm -hmm. then they get into families and then it sort of becomes a tug of war of which in which and you know from a lot of women I've talked to when they have children it ends up being a challenge that mm -hmm. you deal with mom guilt when they go to work and okay. you know what i mean like so i was just curious had you you know if you guys had spoke about that and had something in place or in mind of what the process would look like yeah you know i think one of the reasons why we haven't yet we're 38 and 39 um is that the business has been growing and we put so much time and focus and we love what we do and it just doesn't feel like everyone always says it's never the right time but it just doesn't it hasn't felt like the right time for us and we often talk about, you know, we have these huge big goals and crazy dreams. And, you know, sometimes we question what is it all for, right? Especially if there is no other family and it's just us and it's like, okay, cool. So we're going to build this thing and then maybe not have someone to enjoy it with, or I've never imagined my life without kids. So what we have been doing while we're uncertain about the actual 
having all the kids. Um, what we have been doing is really sort of bulletproofing our business. And so, you know, we can make money and I can teach people how to make money. And that's not what I'm interested in. So we're actually interested in helping people build the machine that makes them money. And so what we've been doing for the last two years is really cranking the dials and, and turning the gears and fixing the timing belts and really honing in on the machine. And, you know, it's interesting that you just asked this question because I'm one month out of something that had just happened in our personal life, um, which took me out of work. So it took me out of work for a month. And whether that was doing client calls or putting out content or doing podcast recordings, um, I've been out of office for an entire month and the machine has been running. And that is incredible. So if and when we do choose to have children, I am sure it will be a challenge. I am sure it will be hard, especially because I'm very much still the face of the business and I'm the one doing mostly, you know, all the coaching and the content. But we have been working behind the scenes diligently on, you know, how do we remove me from that so it doesn't have to just be me. Fantastic. Love that answer, right? Yeah. And you just proved that your system worked because you found a way to remove yourself without doing damage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I hope I didn't get too personal on that. It was, Not at all. Or, you know, I, I hope you can see like where I was going with it. <laughs> Absolutely. So awesome. That is amazing. So what is the long-term vision here? Mm. That's a great question. I think we have a long-term vision for our, our life. And then we have a long-term vision for the business. And the one for the business is definitely, it evolves and changes probably more often than the one for our life. You know, where we are today, it just sounds so cliche, but for us, it's, it's freedom, freedom of the mind, freedom of, you know, the, the career freedom is great and location and time freedom and financial freedom is wonderful, but freedom of the mind, health, happiness, our relationships, these are things that we really are. That's the vision for our life and being able to just kind of do the things that we want to do without stressing over the, the smaller decisions. Our vision is not, we don't need to do private jets and have, you know, 45 homes and, um, we just, we don't need to do that, but to be able to take a vacation and not have to think twice or ask for permission from someone else. So for us on the, on the personal side, it's sort of that. And on the business side, it's how do we create that for more people as well, whether it's our clients or our team. So for us, we want our team to be able to live a life like that as well. We want our team to be in a position where they have that autonomy, that freedom, um, and the ability to do what they want to do with their life and, and use their extra time, if you will, outside of the work to, or outside of our work to impact more lives. And so, you know, we have a mission statement and, and all of that, but to really be a one-stop shop, the central hub of digital education, where people are coming to extract their ideas and turn them into impact and courses. And we get to work with people all over the world. We've had clients on every continent except Antarctica. So if you're <laughs> listening from Antarctica, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, but it's just how do we reach more people? How do we help more people help themselves? And whether that's through our give back and donation or whether that's through our education, our free stuff, our paid stuff, um, we're really just looking to reach more people. And it's this ripple effect of what you learn, whether it's again through our free content or anything paid, what you learn here, how can you take it and implement it in your life? And then all of a sudden the people in your life start to notice what you're doing, how you're showing up, even if it's a mindset shift, a perspective shift. It doesn't have to be a tactical go build a business, but when you when you bring that back into your home, it affects your family and your coworkers and your friends. And so it's just how do how do we do more of that? Yeah, that that is great. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's very powerful. Yeah. Thank you. So, 
with that being said, you're, you guys are global, right? Because like, you're on the internet, you're mm-hmm. able to reach everybody everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that must come with some challenges as well. Like, look, even just start off with taxation challenges. Sure. Right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm just saying that's one challenge that I can that I know of to a certainty. And I'm sure there's other challenges. How do you deal with these challenges? We learn as we go. We have mentors. We have, uh, I've been in masterminds since 2014. I've never not had a coach since 2014. And generally they're a couple steps ahead of us. And so they maybe have, you know, navigated these waters before as well. But um, it's just about reaching out and, and learning. You, you learn as you go and you learn as you grow. And so we have an incredible CPA, our accountant that we love, and, and she helps find answers for us. We have an incredible lawyer that we love and she helps find answers for us. And, you know, you just you learn as you go. I think for us, the biggest challenge with global is just, number one, I only speak one language and I wish that I was bilingual. So we're really looking to bring in some other coaches that can help us in that capacity. And then number two, the time zone thing. So we have a lot of a lot of clients in the United Emirates area, a lot of clients in Dubai, um, Australia, New Zealand. And so our coaching calls oftentimes are just, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, their time or two o'clock in the morning, their time. So we do try to move things around so that people can be present and be live with us as much as we can. But we haven't really come up to any major snags. I think the biggest thing would be actually for our clients. So inside of our programs, we are a one-stop shop. We have a whole approach to building your business. We're not just going to help you create content or put out a course, but we're going to do your you know, LLC filing and we're going to help you set up your business bank account. And we have a lawyer on staff. We have an accountant on staff and we have all these people on staff to help you. And the part that we find challenging is then our clients who are in other countries, our coaches can't always answer best for them, um, but they can give them what type of questions to ask. So they can say, if you go find an accountant in your country, here's a bunch of questions you can ask. Here are things that we need to get figured out. And so we have found Canada as well. We have so many clients in South America. So it's it's kind of, we can't give you the perfect answer, but on a smaller scale, our in-house CPA also can't give our clients the perfect answer because if she's not your personal accountant, it's the same thing here in the United States. Different states have different rules, different filings have different rules. So there's sort of umbrella information that we can give and then we will do our very best to find the answers if we if we don't have them for you. Makes total sense. Yeah. Great answer. That's um, now. What would you, what would you say was your biggest success throughout the process? Well, I've had a I've had a lot. I've had a lot. And and the interesting thing is, up until recently, I mean, like I said, I'm 38. I've spent the majority of my life focused on awards, accolades, recognition. I'm a type three enneagram. I'm a I'm a recovering perfectionist, control freak. I mean, I had an eating disorder, you name it, like anything to be perfect, right? So up until just a few years ago, I I would have told you all of these awards and accolades or the financials or retiring Mike or whatever that might be. Truly now it's being in a place where I feel grounded in myself, finally starting to really love myself and not judge myself when I make decisions in the business. It would be our client's success. I mean, gosh, there are so many coaches and entrepreneurs who will use their own success as marketing. And I get it. It, It's, it's incredibly inspiring, but I've really found, I think they say like my flex, right? My flex is my client's results. And so I'm really proud of my client's results. I'm proud of them for leaving toxic relationships, paying off debt, going back to school, um, starting businesses, getting on stage, doing an Instagram live for the first time. Like it's not even the financial, 
our clients have done 12 million in revenue in our program. So they go on to continue the business and grow the business, but what is accounted for in our program, they've crossed 12 million in sales. You know, that that's amazing and paying off debts and credit cards and buying second homes and even doing RV life and stuff, very, very cool. But to see how their lives have changed and how they bring that, that back into their life, I think our biggest success is that. And, and I would definitely also say building our school in Ghana, Africa, and being able to fund that and help those children go through school and help those community members get jobs and continuing education for them and, and hygiene and sanitation programs and um, menstrual programs. I mean, it's uh, it was it was a crazy, stupid dream of mine that I thought would take much longer than it did. And so to be able to do that um, and continue to give back to those schools and, and have that in dedication of my husband's mom who passed is just it's 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 really cool. It's way cooler than any of the things I've been able to do. For sure. See, I love how you said that. That was exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel, right? And, you know, being that uh, one of my businesses is real estate, yeah. I see many times, many agents, you know, have all these awards, right? Like, and it's like, I got a red diamond, whatever, master sales, all this crap, right? And, you know, and they're always posting this stuff, just listed, just sold, you know, like, and all this nonsense, right? So then you go up to someone and say, hey, you know, would you go up to someone and turn around and say, hey, I'm a master of sales, red diamond award winner. I'm the number one, per, you know, realtor in, in Canada. I'm the top 3% team and I've uh, earned $2 billion in commissions and, uh, and you know, I'm growing 50% every year. How you doing? Well, no, <laughs> right? That's usually the answer. So yeah. then why do you do it on your advertising? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's kind of ludicrous. And that's exactly yeah. what they do. Right. Yeah, so, true. so, you know, the fact that you say that it's not about the awards, it's not about the accolades. It's, it's about what you're doing. It's like the contribution, the, the, the achieving goals, the helping people that yeah. is, that is, you know, far more rewarding than just telling people what I just said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think our team too, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of just learning how to be a leader through doing and, and having a team and, seeing them grow and evolve and everyone on our team has sort of taken the position that they're in. We don't necessarily put up for a promotion. They promote themselves by kind of growing into it and showing us that they're interested in the next thing and the next thing. And I mean, that's just, that's really cool. That's amazing. So I have two more questions before we go into what I call the fun lightning round. Yeah. Okay. Second last question. How do you know you've had a successful day? Oh, I mean, if I'm still here, right? I think it's like, it, what is success? Your definition of success. If I'm going to bed at night and I'm still healthy and, and happy, then it's a successful day. At dinner, Mike and I will ask each other questions like, you know, what are you grateful for? Of course, we do that every day, but what did you learn today? What did you mess up today? I love that question because a mess up is, is what did you learn? You know, what, what mistakes did you make? What did you take a risk on? What did you try today? So yeah, I think a successful day is just being here. Wonderful. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Last question before we go to the lightning round is where do people find you? Sure. So I hang out most on Instagram. I'm at I am Jessica DeRose. I'm also on TikTok. I've got a website. We've got a podcast. Our podcast is one of my favorite things that we do. We put out two episodes a week. It's the Digital Business Evolution Podcast. But come over to Instagram, say hi, shoot me a DM. I love to chat with people. Fantastic. That was awesome. A lot of great information, a lot of value. Thank that you. was amazing. Thank you. 
Let's get into the lightning round, which is going to be number one, your favorite food. Ooh, uh, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good. That's really good food. I can have that for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. <laughs> peanut butter, too. Chocolate and peanut butter. Well, well, especially mixed on a, on a you know, exactly. two buns, have Nutella on one side, have peanut butter on the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Slap them together, maybe sometimes some jelly, but that could be a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just get her going. There you go. Mm -hmm. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, favorite vacation spot? Ooh. Do I have to have I had like I've been there before, right? Well, well, we'll go with your favorite spot that you've been to and your favorite desire. Mm. Oh, this is so hard. They're all such different experiences. <laughs> So one of my favorite spots that I've been to was all, all around Australia. And it was my favorite because I was living there for nine months. So I felt like I got to really experience it. That wasn't a vacation necessarily, but because I, I was living there, but um, absolutely loved Australia. And then anywhere in Europe, I know it's such a cop out. I've been to a bunch of different countries in Europe. I'm super grateful. And every single one that I've been to has just been incredible because they have so much, they have so much history and so much culture and you can just like feel it in the air and the cobblestone streets and mm, it's so good. And then one of the places I haven't been, which has been on my bucket list for my entire life, and it just hasn't worked out. I've had the book trip, the trip booked three times, and all three times it was canceled. But Greece, I'm, I'm really, really okay. hoping to get to Greece. Yeah. Um, favorite book. That is so hard. I'm a huge reader. I'm such a book nerd. There's a book that I read every year, so I can tell you that one. It's not necessarily my favorite, but every year on New Year's, my husband and I read it. Secrets of a Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. It's just like a beautiful reminder every single year. So we always read that one. But I have a lot of favorite books. I so interesting. Off, yeah. You keep going back to that one. So that's obviously a very important one. Yeah, I think it just has some really good like core values in there around money. Um, anything Dr. Joe Dispenza is, is something I generally really like too. Yeah. Fantastic. Favorite podcast? Um, can I say my own? You can definitely <laughs> say your own. Digital business evolution for sure. And then some other podcasts just that have staying power in my life. I've been listening to Lewis Howe's podcast for about okay. seven or eight years. Uh, Lori Harder, Chris Harder, both again, just longevity, Gary V. I love the, um, um, I love Rob Deerdeck is, is wonderful. I mean, I have so many podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I have a lot as well. Yeah, Alex Ramosi is amazing. Yeah, he, he he just came under my radar in the last couple of months. I didn't know who he was until then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Last question, but not least. If you were given an unlimited budget, unlimited money, but it was only for 48 hours, and the catch is you can keep whatever you spend or whatever you spend it on, you know, stays, what you don't spend goes away. What would you do? Uh, does investing in things count as spending? Yep. Okay. We would diversify like crazy. So we'd invest in a ton of real estate. We'd invest in different startups. We'd invest in the market. We'd invest, I mean, we would invest the majority of it. Um, I would probably give some to some family members mindfully, because I don't think giving people money is the answer, but mindfully help maybe pay off homes and stuff. Not just giving them checks, but uh, yeah, I mean, at the very moment, yeah, we would invest it. We would diversify it for sure. We would donate a bunch of it to different charities. We would 
pay off uh, whatever debts we could from whomever we thought appropriate. Um, maybe give out some grants and scholarships to, to people to join programs and get their businesses up and running and off the ground. Um, and uh, maybe book that trip to Greece. <laughs> I know, finally. <laughs> that is awesome. Jessica, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I just realized too, Africa, that was definitely, Kenya was my favorite place and that's why we got so locked in on building a school, but yes, okay. Thank you there, so much. That makes writing. sense actually. Yeah, yeah. That's I awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks again. Thank you, have a good day. You too. If you like what you see and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below.